0: Welcome to the Mindfuckery Podcast, which is featured in Feedspot's top 10 of emotional abuse podcasts. I'm your host Elizabeth, and in here we explore the areas where others fear to tread. I'm the founder of the Divorce Sanctuary and Wound Talking. I'm also author of Finding Lily, The A to Z of Emotional Abuse and Divorce Matters. I've been a woundologist for over 20 years working with past life wounds, clearing ancestral trauma and working with this life wounding. It's through my own personal journey I know how much this hurts and how confusing life becomes. So many questions, no real answers. I'm on a mission to educate as many people as I can on the effects of trauma on our lives and our children's lives, healing those wounds and healing the wounds of our mothers and our fathers. It stops here, it stops now and it stops with us. So, welcome along for the journey of a lifetime. Hello and welcome. You really are very welcome. I'm so pleased you're here. I have landed back in the UK. I've got my tea and I'm feeling very sorry for myself. I've cried 3 times in 5 days. Uh, obviously, my soul is meant to be doing something else and I'm completely aware of that. And I do need to be in the UK for the time being. So let's crack on. This week I was doing a little bit of research just now and I was also listening to a couple of podcasts on other things but actually abusive relationships sort of thread, fed through them. Um, this thread was going through, that's where I've combined the two words, there was a thread that that went through and somebody was talking about how they'd had a conversation and uh, they were being asked if an abusive relationship could be changed around. And what came up in the research that I was looking at was about narcissistic abuse and people are asking questions along the lines of can a narcissist heal and about narcissists and empaths and that's really what i wanted to focus on today so can narcissists and empaths coexist they can for a period of time so a narcissist back to basics a narcissist is a person who behaves in a selfish way they might have a grandiose sense of importance in fact they will have it it's just whether they do um, demonstrate that outwardly because the covert narcissists have this as well it's done not in that loud look at me way they have a need for admiration wealth power maybe fame what they do lack is empathy and they lack consideration for others they feel entitled to special treatments again even the covert narcissist will feel this entitlement it just is presented in a different way they're easily offended, they harbour grudges, they're often really popular until you're no use to them any longer and they discard you. And basically i would describe them as children in adults bodies, I'm sure other people have as well, they're unable to take responsibility for any of their actions and anyone who disagrees with them or their unreasonable expectations might be exposed or subjected to their narcissistic rage and this is where they go from zero to seven in an instant. So a rage that we would experience might build over a period of time. The narcissist just instantly hit seven and it's my personal belief that the unmet needs of a child meant that they were unable to master critical emotional development and I discovered Oh, many 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 years ago that you could really see where that trauma happened in certain situations they'll revert back to that child that childish behavior they'll indicate to you if you think back you might recall that age they might have been threatened or they might have perceived danger or they're out of their comfort zone and you might notice them walk or talk in a childish way and narcissism is a personality disorder it's diagnosed by a mental health professional That's why I talk about emotional abuse. I'm not in a position to diagnose anybody. You might find people that are higher up on the spectrum that might not come under that umbrella. As I said, they can't take responsibility for actions. And if you've been discarded by one, it's very likely that you took the blame for the breakdown of the relationship. So looking back and looking at that scenario, It's really unlikely that they will go and get an appointment and ask for a diagnosis because remember, none of this is their fault. It was your fault why the relationship has broken down. You were not fit for purpose. They create this vision and when you meet, they put you on this pedestal and they put upon you, and you might recognize this, unrealistic expectations. And you might think, but that isn't me. I can't live up to those standards. They don't really care because it's a fiction, just like the questioning in the relationship where they ask you so many questions and you think that they're being attentive and really interested in you. But actually, if you listen to the questions, if you can remember any of them, they were really loaded. They were asking for information they were discovering what you were looking for in a relationship they were creating a persona that they could then step into put on a mask and play an individual the person they think that you want to be in a relationship with a healthy person can see that perhaps they've made a mistake they might correct that mistake they'll hold the hands up and say look I'm sorry I didn't realize or I Thought this was the situation, or whatever it is, they don't do everything in their power to prove that there's nothing wrong with them and blaming another person. So, under the label of narcissist, you will find, and there are other ones as well, but you'll find that over this is probably the type that people uh, that jumps to mind when you think about them. These are the grandiose ones, these are the loud ones. world revolves around them but there's the covert and these are the self-absorbed and they are just as destructive actually personally i believe they're more destructive there are the cerebral these are the know-it-alls they use their intellect to um, gain their supply there's the somatic they flaunt their conquests, they parade their possessions, they show off their muscles and they inverted and these rely on other people for their emotional gratification and they have a tendency to put other people first, looking for relationships that make them feel validated and needed. In the narcissist's mind, any attention is better than no attention. So it means that they're happy even if it's negative. In fact, they often find it more enjoyable because If they can upset you, to them it's validation that you still have emotions and you're invested in the relationship. So some of the techniques they use to bond you, changing your view on your family and friends. As the narcissist took over your life, they made up stories and you began to see the abuser as the only person you could trust. They use things like triangulation and gaslighting they trauma bond you into that relationship in the end the only person that you feel that you can trust is the person who's actually abusing you and this is why it's so difficult to walk away because they position themselves in this place of power they position themselves as the only person that was looking out for you the only person you could trust and it actually turns out that they are the ones that are abusing you your mind is muddled this is the cognitive dissonance where these two sides of your brain are clashing together with information one is the information that is the truth but you've been told is a lie and the other side is a lie that you've been told is the truth. And like these clackers, they come together and smash and cause so much confusion. You don't know what's right, what's left, what's up, what's down, back, forward. You can't make any decisions. All of that has been stripped from you. And there was a good reason for that. So the empath is or has this ability to sense the emotions of other people. They are sensitive to the invisible as well as the visible. They intuitively pick up body language and tone and they understand what is being said, but they also know what is not being said. So they're sensitive to other people's energies. Now, my understanding, and I've done decades of work, in this area and particularly with the work that I've done with wounding my own wounding and the spiritual side of of the work that I do is that really this is a matching of wounds these two people come together they have different wounds the empath has learned their craft through their childhood and that might be something you don't want to hear at the moment I've spoken about this how you know i was told i was watching something that said about codependency and i was like oh, i'm not codependent but gradually over time i realized that's the role that i played within that relationship so the empath learnt and honed their craft through their childhood they learnt to read a room to read energy to read the change in the atmosphere to read people's faces to pick up when something's changed to know that they were in an unsafe environment. This is what is being learned. They know how to fawn. They know how to change conversations. They know how to steer them away and onto safer ground. They can pick up when somebody walks into a room that is about to trigger the person who's higher up on the narcissistic spectrum. They can feel that. It might be the tone in someone's voice, the way that they move it might be a minute facial expression they can read all of that and they know they're in an unsafe environment the narcissist adores the empath because initially they can cater to their needs they want everything that the empath is they want that understanding they want that Um, generosity, they want that nurturing, they want that ability to be them. And these two come together and they're like yin and yang, they're the opposites of each other. And what the narcissist or the person, the emotional abuser, higher up on that spectrum does for the empath, they see the empath, they see and hear and they feed those wounds because that will be something very likely that the empath was never experienced during childhood, never seen, never heard. And all of a sudden, this person comes along and they're interested. They're showing interest, they're asking all of these questions, wanting to know everything. And the empath being the person that they are, this generous and kind person, takes that as face value. Believing that they are genuinely interested. The narcissist, on the other hand, is actually doing it to create this persona because the narcissist or the emotional abuser is on the take all of the time. It doesn't matter whether they're covert, whether they're over, they are taking all of the time. What's in it for me? What do I get out of this relationship? What status? Is it great walking into a room with somebody on my arm that looks absolutely fantastic? Look at all these amazing places that I'm going to now. I'm being introduced to. And that's both sides. So the empath gets something from these relationships. And believing that it's reciprocal. But the narcissist or the emotional abuser doesn't know unconditional. For the empath unconditional is their language it's their love language so one of the questions was you know what is this relationship between the the two the the emotional abuser the narcissist and the empath and the empath goes in completely blind having no idea that that is what they're walking into and very easily because these relationships replicate situations that they've grown up in I remember someone saying to me, I can't believe you didn't see this as abusive. I didn't see it as abusive. To me, it was relatively normal behaviour towards the end. I was trapped by these wounds, these childhood wounds, where as the emotional abuser goes in, putting this person on the pedestal thinking that this time they've met somebody who is going to cater to their every whim, to their every need and on top of that they are caring and generous and they've got all these things but gradually as they start to steal everything to steal their energy to steal their money to steal their thoughts beliefs take over their life they are then taking away the essence the true essence of that personality but it serves a purpose I genuinely believe that you can come out of these relationships and you can thank the abuser for the damage they've done because you are in a position now where you can see the wounding. It might take a little time. It might, you might need someone to help you, but you can essentially contact these wounds. You can talk to these wounds. You can find out what happened. There's some other deeper stuff that I will actually just touch on now, which is when we end up in uh, situations, traumatic situations, whether we're as a child, and I've spoken about this, the first seven to eight years of our life, if we experience, uh, we take on everything as a belief. This is how everybody else is living. Every household, all my friends are living in the same way. They, Everybody has the same beliefs. We all support the same football team. We all support Whatever it is, I don't know whether you think about that at seven or eight years old, but you believe that everybody is experiencing what you're experiencing, whether that's good or bad. You have no way and you have nothing to judge it by. And if you're really, really lucky and you end up in a really supportive family unit, they will help you and guide you. If you're not so lucky, you might have a slightly bigger tribe that you've got people within that that will support you and see you and hear you and if you're really unlucky you are stuck in a really small tribe where nobody else can see what's going on you're not given the tools nobody knows that this is going on emotional abuse isn't like physical abuse where you can see the bites or the scratches or the punches the bruises this is more a disassociation of abuse. A child might be very quiet. They might be the child that stares out the window. And it's my belief that during those traumatic events, part of us pops out. And if you are aware of anything like soul retrieval, you can think of it in a similar way. These are parts of ourselves that come out at the age, at the time, as part of a self-preservation. And part of the work that I do with the original wound work is actually uh, bring those parts back, those missing parts back. And they might grow up into an adult who who lives their life in functional freeze. It's like being a functional alcoholic or that's their state. They live in this dysfunction, this disassociation. But from the outside, being given the tools as an adult shouldn't have to be this way. should never be this way. And do you know what? It only takes 20 years to change um, things within a society. So if we all woke up to this today, tomorrow, next week, within 20 years, we could start to change the behaviour within our society around this, protect our children. And by protecting our children and giving them the tools to cope, They are taking that forward into their relationships. They're taking it forward and bringing more healthy and rounded adults into this world, or children that grow into adults. And we literally change society. It's like a movement, 20 years apparently it takes, or might be 21. And you have to ask yourself, can they change? Can an emotionally abusive person change? I don't know, because they might be able to change their behavior and to convince you that they've changed. But they fundamentally haven't. They're doing no work on their wounds. They're not doing anything to help themselves. Remember, they don't believe this is their fault. They can't take responsibility for their actions. So those questions are for you to understand. To go inside and say, Do I want to experience this? Do I want to move forward and heal my wounds and create the life that I'm born to live, or? Do I want to stay in this relationship and see if they change, see if they're willing to change, if they're willing to take responsibility for the actions that they've taken, for the harm that they've done, for the damage that they've caused. And if you're an empath, listen in and see whether that feels genuine. Does it feel genuine? There's nothing more desperate than somebody looking for somewhere to live. And that is a statement I heard years ago and it was more to do with um, the emotional abuser moving on into other relationships. But if there's a fear that they are going to lose their home, they're going to lose their family, they can make these promises and perhaps they might even believe them. But it's the words, it's the actions. People can say things and nothing further happens. I could say I want to order I'm going to order a car, I'm going to buy this car. Other things happen and get in the way and maybe my finances have to go on something else and I can't buy that car. It's the actions and that's what you're looking for. So if you are the empath in this situation, start questioning, do I want to be here? And remember, if this is something and these are only words that they want to heal and they want to do something about it, How long will you wait? How long, what time scale will you give yourself or will you give them? And if they replicate and do something and hurt you again, will you give them so many chances or are you just giving them one chance? I had uh, a client once who was in a situation that they found themselves and they met somebody else. They weren't in a healthy relationship. It had got... This relationship had got them out of another really unhealthy relationship and so they went into this not so, it wasn't as bad but it wasn't particularly healthy and they met someone else who was a lot healthier and they were going to give this person an ultimatum and they were going to say to this person, look this is how I feel, this is where we are in our relationship on the condition of this, this and this then I will stay and I said to them, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Do you have any intention of staying or do you want to be with this new person that you've met? Because what you're actually doing is giving false hope. And what if they do step up and change in these areas? Where do you stand then? So start looking if that is something that you are going to put conditions in place. With that condition, think about what happens the first time. Will you say, okay, I'll give you three chances? Because if you've made it really clear to someone that you aren't happy with this form of behaviour and they keep repeating it, that isn't going to change because they do not respect you enough to change. It might be so built into their DNA and to their responses that they can't actually do anything and change. So this is a, a, a big dynamic between the emotional abusive or the narcissist and the empath. Because the narcissist actually can show the empath where and how to heal. Unfortunately, the majority of time, the empath is so desperate to help the emotional abuser. Because it might be that they weren't able to do that. They weren't able to do that for a parent or for a caregiver. And they're replicating these relationships because it wasn't something that they were able to do growing up. They weren't able to save that parent or caregiver and remember not everybody wants saving not everybody who plays the victim actually wants to be healed some victims love playing the victim because it gets them attention it gets them seen and heard in a way that they were never seen and heard before I hope this has been helpful to you remember talking to your wounds and working with your wounds is going to change your life And depending where you are on the journey, it might not feel like it right at the beginning. Start using markers and look back and see how you've come, how far you've come. You'd be surprised how quickly you can turn your life around and you can heal these wounds. Sending you loads and loads of love until next time.